Welcome to Family Matters, uh, a series we're calling Family Matters for two reasons. Okay, well, maybe three reasons. First, I really want to be Steve Urkel in a video, and the best and maybe only way to do that is to film one at church. So we did Family Matters. And the second reason, and maybe more importantly, we call this Family Matters because we believe as, as that we are a church and we are church family. Um, and that matters, so family matters. And then lastly, um, the reason we're doing Family Matters, especially this time of the year, is we've got 2018 ahead of us, and we want to talk about all of the things that we are planning to do as a church um, and, and let you into the discussion on the Family Matters, see how that works um, and how it pertains to you as part of our church family. So naturally, this is a series that's definitely for you if you consider this part of your if you consider yourself part of the family here at Colorado Life Church, if you if you would call this your church home, Family Matters is, is right up your alley. The, the weeks to come, what we're going to talk about is going to be really really fun. There's another person that this we, when we started making this series and writing this series, there's another person that we realized that this is an important series for. And, and we decided that the person who's ever thought to themselves, I don't get church. If, there's a, if you've ever thought in the past, like you've gone to church, and you, like, you see other people really interested in church, but you go there and you're like, I, I just don't get it. Like, like you kind of maybe even feel bad about it. Or maybe when you're a kid, when you're in church, you're like, Mom, why are we doing this? Just, you know, and you got kind of scolded. And so, like, and, and you thought to yourself, I don't get it. I don't get why we go to the trouble. I don't get why people bother other people to go to church on a Sunday morning. I, I just don't get church. And maybe you, you haven't said that out loud because you don't want to disrespect anybody who church might be important to. And you definitely don't want to respect God because you believe in God or maybe you're, you consider yourself a spiritual person. But the, you, when it comes to church, you're just not drawn to it partly because you just don't get it. And if that's you, this, I'm really excited for this series for you. I think that this series actually has a lot to offer. If, if you've ever been there before, you might find what we're talking about really interesting. Because we're going to talk about why church matters. Why, why go to church in, in the first place. And honestly, I know that like... You know, today I don't expect you to go away saying, you know, oh, I get it. I'm all gung ho about church right now. But I, I'm hoping that if you if you don't, you know, like if you don't understand church by the end of today, you you're, you're thinking about it maybe in a new light. In fact, that's really the goal for all of us, for for everybody here through this series. I want us to to to, to rethink church. I want us to get a, a really clear picture, an idea of what church is as a result of this series. Here's part of the problem. Part of the problem with church is just the word church itself. I mean, when, when, some, when we hear the word church, uh, I'm pretty sure that what comes to mind for you and for me are two different things. I think when we hear the word church, some of us even feel some things, right? Like it, it stirs emotions in us. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if what we think when we hear in, in response to the word church varies drastically. I saw this the other day, kind of firsthand. I was at the school picking up my kids, 
and I ran into a friend who, and she's like, oh, I want to introduce you to my friend. And so my friend went up to her friend and said, this is Josh. And her friend looked at me, she said, oh, you're the guy from the church. And, and I said, well, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. And, and, and my friend says to her friend, no, 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 no. He's not from the church. He is the church. <laughs> and I, I kind of started backing away, like, no, 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 no. And, and her friend, the person I had not yet met, her friend kind of looked, saw that I was uncomfortable, and she's like, yeah, right, right, right. Jesus is the church. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. We be the church. And we had a good laugh, and, you know, like, like it was... It was fine, but I, I got kind of worked up because it's like, no. See, the problem is, is that the word church itself, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear the word church? Do you think of a building? Do you think of obligation? Do you think of Jesus? It varies, doesn't it? And so, I, I, I want, I, I think it would be good for us today to, to, to kind of, it, it, we're talking about a series that talks about why church matters. I thought it would be a good idea to go back to the beginning, go back to where this word came from in, in, in the beginning. And so what we're going to do is, is to go back, we're going we're gonna to go back and we're going to look at the first time that Jesus used the word church and, and see what he had in mind. And, and here's what we're going to discover. I think that a lot of times what comes to mind, even, even for us church people who grew up in church, who like church, who believe in church, I'm wondering if sometimes what we see and think and feel when we hear the word church might be a far cry from what people in the first century thought of, what Jesus thought of when he originally used the word church. So let's look at it. Let's, let's, let's try to bring some clarity to a word that can be confusing. Our passage is found in Matthew 16 today. And it's probably one that if you grew up in church you're, you're familiar with. It's an interaction between Jesus and his, his disciples, his key followers. And, and, and in this passage, um, as often was the case, this is a, a, a time when Jesus is just hanging out with, with his guys. It's bro time. And there's a good chance this, was a, the, this passage happened in Caesarea Philippi, uh, a, a city in the north part of, of Israel. And, and it's, there's a good chance they were actually on a mountainside. There's a real prominent mountain there. And so it was bro time on the mountainside, which is like the best kind of bro time, I ah. think. So that's, kind of picture that as we're going into it. And they're hanging out, and when Jesus asks them this question, you know, who do, who do people say that I am? Guys, what's the word on the street when it comes to me? <laughs> this is a question you should not ask. Don't, it's, this is not a good question. Tomorrow at lunch, if you turn your coworkers and I have a question for you. Who do people say that I am? Like, no, no one's talking about you. <laughs> you know, you're just, but Jesus was kind of a big deal, so he could asked this question. He said, you know, honestly, who's, who people, what are people saying about me? And the disciples replied, they're like, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, which is really odd because all three of those dudes are dead. <laughs> like, but he's here, you know, and that just went to show 
when it came to Jesus, people were confused as to where, what he, who he was, what even what he was, because he was doing all of these miraculous things. He was right in the middle of, you know, he fed thousands of people, and in, 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 a, in a couple months he would raise a guy from the dead. And as people were trying to make sense of who Jesus was, they're like, they knew, they knew something otherworldly, something trippy was going on with this guy, but they didn't really know what to say. So, you know, like, they're like, oh, I just Jeremiah. And, and Jesus is like, okay, but what do you, and then he asked this question, he's like, how about you guys? Who do you say that I am? And Simon, one of Jesus' disciples, pipes up, and he, he says this, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, at which point I'm guessing that the disciples, the other disciples, kind of gasped like, hmm, did you say that? Looked at Peter, and then looked at Jesus to see how Jesus would respond. Because here's the thing. Peter, Peter was a guy who actually had a couple different names. Simon, Peter. Another, one of his nicknames could have been 50-50. <laughs> because anytime he said something, you could have just flipped a coin, and half the time he would have been right on, and the other half the time he was way off. <laughs> and he just said, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the disciples are like, wait, what? And then looked at Jesus. Before we look at Jesus' response, I think we need to we need to look at what this means. See the word the word Christ. Just so you know, isn't Jesus' last name? It isn't Jesus Christ like Josh Donath or Jeff Bennett. No, it's it's Jesus the Christ. Christ was the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. And the Messiah is one that is sent to save people. And in this case, in the Jewish culture, this would be the one that God would send to save the world. And to really, I, I want to take a second here, and because I, I really, I, we need to unpack this. I really want us to understand what the implications of what Peter was saying here when he called Jesus the Christ. And, and in order to do that, I need to kind of go back to the beginning. Like the very beginning, like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and created Adam and Eve. And then if you know that story, you know that Adam and Eve would disobey God and they would let sin into the world by turning their back on God. And it turns out that that sin wouldn't, isn't just a one-time thing, which we kind of all, all know, right? Have you ever told a white lie? Raise your hand if you ever told a white lie. Good, we're being honest in church. This is perfect. Uh, it's never just one lie, is it? Because usually when you tell one lie, there's another lie you have to tell, the, another white lie to you know, back it up. And then there's another lie. It's not really a white lie. It's more like a gray lie to back that. You know what I mean? It just keeps going. And sin, once it entered the world, once Adam brought it into the world, it, it kind of proved to be like that. It, tur it turned out to be kind of like a cancer or a virus that would spread and not just stay put, and it would bring darkness and sadness and death into the world. But see, God loved us too much to, to let that be the end of the story. And which is what, really, the Bible, the Bible itself is, is dozens or maybe even hundreds of different stories that are really only telling one story. They're telling a story about a God who, whose, whose love is never stopping, Never good, never giving up his unbreakable, always and forever love and pursuit 
of us. And I want you to hear this. From day one, ever since sin entered the world, God has not stopped coming back, coming after us. I want you to hear this so, so clearly. You are worth coming after. If, if, you, if you read the Bible, you start to see that God cares about us. God, he cares about His children, which includes you. You are a child of God. He cares about you so much that He's willing to go to great lengths to get you back. And over the centuries, God would make uh, these covenants with people in an attempt to, I, I want to be in a relationship with you. And every, he'd make covenants with Noah and Abraham and Moses and the nation of Israel and David. And each time there was a new covenant, there seemed to be like new promise that the, that people would rise to the occasion. They were short-lived, and every time they'd fall short. It was almost as if this cancer, this sin, was incurable. So it was so invasive that it's the sin almost seemed to be kind of like part of our DNA of who to become a part of who we are, which meant we would be at odds with our Creator, with a perfect God. We'd be at odds with Him forever. And God was stuck in this dilemma. That the like I almost was thinking about this week, it's almost like God was stuck in a dilemma that probably most cancer doctors, and I'm not a doctor, but most cancer doctors might find themselves in. How do I get rid of the cancer without doing away with the patient. That's you know, like an invasive stage four. How do I, how do I, you know, how do we treat the patient without, and kill the cancer without destroying the patient? That's the dilemma God was in when it came to us. And the covenant, it turned out that, that, that it would take more than just a covenant or a contract to get us back. We needed a cure. We needed a, a, a savior. We needed a Messiah. And Peter said, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, Peter was saying, I believe that God is on the move and that you are Jesus. You are His, you are the one that's going to save us. This is a huge statement. And while people had suspected that Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, or hoped, or even questioned, Jesus, to this point in time, Jesus had yet to come out and say, yes, I am him. In Matthew 16, verse 17, we don't have this verse, but just a second, it says that this is Jesus' reply. He says, blessed are you, 50-50. <laughs> blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, this being this proclamation, but by my Father in heaven, meaning what you say, Peter, is true. And then he says this, and this is verse 18, I tell you the truth, that you are Peter, he's talking to Simon Peter, and then that word Peter is, is, is a Greek word that means stone or small rock. And then Jesus says, and on this rock, and he uses a different word, in Greek, he says, you know, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, that rock being that solid statement you just said, that I am the Christ, the Savior of the world, I will build my, and here's our word, church. It's fascinating. 
is Jesus didn't use the word empire. Like I imagine Matthew, Matthew, like, you know, hey Matthew, did you get that? You get that? Yeah, but did you just say the word church? Did you mean to say empire? Because empire's got a ring to it, you know? Like this is gonna be a big deal. And if, even if that's too Roman for you, Jesus, how about the word kingdom? Because you use the word kingdom all the time. Are you sure you don't mean the word kingdom? He said, no, 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 no. I want to use the word church. In Greek, this word is ekklesia. And, and it's honestly, it's, it's a word that was a common word that simply meant a gathering or group of people gathered for a purpose. Picture like, like in, in ancient times, if, if a town gathered in order to, to solve a problem or to talk about something, that gathering would be called an ecclesia. Another way this would have been word used was in the military sense. If, a, if an army gathered together to go do something, to go you know, stand against something, that army or that gathering would be called an ecclesia. So Jesus says, yes, I am the Savior of the world. And on that fact, I am going to build a gathering of people. And they shall get together every Sunday for 60 to 90 minutes. <laughs> and they shall sing songs and hear a sermon and then go out to lunch afterwards. And they shall, you know, eventually they'll, they'll buy buildings. And they will call, they shall call those buildings church. You pay attention? That's not what Jesus said at all. You know, woe to the one who doesn't go to church. It's not what Jesus said. I, I want to make sure that, see, I'm, I'm trying to prove what. Uh, let's read what he actually says here. Because I think he has something, when he said the word church, it's potential he had something very different in mind than what we typically think of when we think of the word church. He said this, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell, or the gates of Hades, your Bible might say hell or Hades, probably the best translation of this word is the gates of death will not overcome it. It meaning the church. See, this is right, guys. I am the Savior of the world. And, I, and, through, and, and I'm going to gather a group of people and, and I'm, we're going to cure cancer. Which point did the disciples go? Cancer? What's cancer? Never mind. It's going to be a big deal. See, when Jesus used the word church, he pictured a new world order. One where, where he would be able to conquer death. This, this pesky thing called sin that had entered the world and had threatened to destroy the world. He was going to destroy it. And catch this. On that message, he would build a gathering of people. He would build a church. And he would gather a group of people that were so bold and so dynamic and so empowered by this message that when they get together, evil would poop in its pants. Like there should be something threatening about the church because of what it stands against as it stands with God. 
That's the church. And see, this is why church matters. Because we believe there's a group of people here who believe that the church is God's plan A for getting us back. It's, it's his plan A for getting you and me back and our neighbors and our friends and people who are far from God, people who are a little closer to God. It is his plan to get the church back, to get his people back. Here's, here's the big idea for today. God is up to something in the and we get to be a part. And the church is actually the key instrument for that activity. See, God's up to something in the world. God always has been. He's always been on the move. And we get to be a part. He wants us to be a part of that movement. And the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of people, people who are willing to gather in his name, that's where his, the key, that's his plan A for that activity. See, that's a little different, right? Than the church being a building or an institution or a location or a set of beliefs or a list of to-dos or an obligation or an event on Sunday morning. You see how all of those things would be limiting to what Jesus had in mind. And see, here's the thing. When the disciples had no clue what was going on that day. They're like, okay, Jesus, what, you know, like, whatever. It's just another one of those times, you know, where like, guys, this is going to be a big deal. Like, oh, and they're like, oh, we're going to take over, you know, like, like are we gonna get Israel back? Oh, no, it's bigger than that. Are we going to take over, like, like, the Roman Empire? Are we going to take over the world? Kind of, but it's even bigger than that. You see, we're going to get to defeat death together. And the disciples are like, yeah? So when are we taking over Rome? <laughs> like, like, they honestly, these poor saps, just, they, they had no idea until, in fact, their, their world would get really rocked. They would get really excited for another year and a half or so. And then all of a sudden, Jesus one day would die. And they're like, well, so much for that guy. And three days later, they would eat lunch with a risen Lord. And they would start to, what happens over time, they, like not actually not over time, like in the, in the next couple of months, they started putting so much together. I'm like, oh, that's what he meant. And all of a sudden, this group of people, they'd see, they got to partner with the Messiah. They got to see that, that God was up to something in the world. And they got to be a part. And the church was this grand opportunity to, to partner with God on site for what he was doing. Yes, it was a building. You know, like it would become a building and it would become an institution and location and meeting times and that kind of stuff. But the essence of the church from day one is it's the same essence today. Is this unbelievable opportunity that you and I have to join God and what he's doing. And what happened over time is they took the, the first followers, they, they took that opportunity. And then they, they went and they, they told others about it. And they and those others are like, oh, I, I'm in. 
And then those others went and told others. Said, I'm in. Now 2,000 years later. And, and yeah, can we be honest? The church has had its up and downs. Right? But in the midst of even the darkest times, there's always a remnant of people who believe that the church was a movement. The church was an opportunity. It wasn't a building. It wasn't a location. It wasn't a set of beliefs. It wasn't an institution. It was God on the move. And we need to be a part. Which brings us to today. We're two billion people on this planet call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And at this very moment, right now, all across the globe, yeah, there's, there's not that many people in the room right here, right now. This isn't it. This is, this is, this is just a, a small part, a small seed, which is part of a huge big seed, which is the church. And we join with that today. And see, what, what we believe at Colorado Life Church, it's, this isn't a building. Like, church isn't about a building. It's not about location. It's rather it's about God's activity in the world and how we get to be a part and therefore, church matters. What we do as a church family matters because we get to be a part of the movement. Here, here's the thing. You, we've, you've seen parts of this from the very get-go of Colorado Life Church. Since we see ourselves as part of a movement, when we started CLC, it's kind of funny, but when we were about to start CLC, people would ask, even like a year before we started, we'd say, hey, we're going to start a church. And the, most of the time, the biggest question people ask is, well, where is it going to be? So they're thinking, you know, like, what did you think of? You think of a building. You know what's kind of funny about our story? We didn't think about a church building until, like, way late in the game. Not because it's not important, but because, because we, we honestly, we wanted to put, the, the, we, wanted, we, we wanted to spend our time thinking and praying for you. We, we knew that if we were going to have a church, we needed to find a group of people who would join us on a movement. And then we found a building. It's called the castle. Raise your hand if you ever went to the castle. It was a great place to have a meeting. It had no carpeting. <laughs> it was like this, you walked into this beautiful building, and then you went downstairs. <laughs> and it was got a little dungeon But it's a castle and a dungeon. But here's the thing. That didn't bother us at all. Because that wasn't what we knew. That wasn't the church. And we got kicked out of that building, and then we found this one. And we moved up in the world. Second story above a pizza joint. <laughs> We're in an office building right now, in case you've forgotten. Some of us have. Because this is a sacred place. Because we've been gathering here for a year and a half. And we love it. We'll probably get kicked out of this place sometime, and that's okay. Because that's not the church. And we will go as a movement to wherever we need to go next. Isn't that cool? See, see since we believe that we are a movement where we met in the beginning, we only met every other week. And, and that lack of Sundays didn't threaten our identity as a church because we knew that wasn't church. We knew that, yes, we, you know, Sunday will grow in, in 2018. Praise God, we get to meet every week. That's awesome. But that didn't threaten, that didn't mean we weren't doing the church. You know, we, since we knew it was a movement, we knew that life group is church. That when we gather together in homes, and sometimes there's little tiny groups, and sometimes there's a bunch of us, and there's more kids than adults in a lot of these groups, 
It's just like, but we get to, that's, that's church. And, and some of our favorite moments, am I not right? Some of our favorite moments have been in those homes as we were church. And since we were, we were a movement, we, in 2017, we said, hey, what if we took church outside? What, and since we, we don't believe that the church is, you know, sermon and songs, what if we went beyond sermons and songs? And we did a thing called Scatter Church. Yeah. And we say every every Sunday, most Sundays before Scatter Church, hey, 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 listen, listen, listen. Don't mistake. This is church. Because this is us being the church. Because the church isn't about sermons and songs. It's, a, it's about a group of people who are on the move. And you know what's so cool? Is in 2017, it, it, it was a movement. Some of you felt it. Like we got to go and, and do things. And people got to see that. And it was awesome. Because we started calling that one Scatter Church, we started calling this one, what we're doing right now, Gather Church. See that? It's on purpose. The gathering. This is when we gather together, church. You've been the church all week, but here we are together. It's sweet. It's wonderful. But we never want to mistake, since we see this movement, we never mistake the church as a building. It's an institution or anything like that. It's a movement of people. And, and here's the thing. Through this movement, through CLC, we've gotten to see some cool stuff. Through CLC, through this expression of the local church, some of us have come home. Some of us have gotten to be connected with the Father again. And, and we have stories, and you know, people say, I, I once, I, yeah, I, I, I've always believed in God. In the last couple of years, I've started to serve God. Our kids have come home. Our kids have drawn closer to God. Not to be a part, but to watch that. One of my favorite stories from, from Scatter Church last year was, was people finding us on Facebook who've never been to church or haven't been, like, they, they, they see what we're doing, like, can we come? It's the church, being the church. That's what we get to do. We got to baptize Jake the drummer. You know, his story goes, I was, I was, I was, a, 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 I was a Christian and I was a punk that I was a traveler, that I was a drunk, and now I'm a Christian again. It's the best, man. This is why church matters to us, because God is up to something in the world, and we get to be a part. And the church is the key instrument for that activity. And that's why we get so fired up about church. That's why, I mean, here, here, you need to know this too, too. We love, don't get me wrong, we love to ski. We love football. Dude, lazy Sundays are amazing. But, but see, but, but the idea of missing church, like missing the gathering of the believers, we don't want to miss out on that. We don't want to miss out on what's going on in your life. We don't want to miss out on what God's up to in the world and in this town. And oh man, do I love connecting with God through nature. It is, you guys, I love it. Like you guys know me. It's the best. No, it's not the best. This is better. 
that this one, connecting with God through nature is one of my favorite ways to connect with God. This is better. Because in nature, yes, I get to see what he's like. Over here, I get to see what he's up to. And I get to be part. And so those things that we love, they just kind of naturally move to the edges. Maybe I'll see some other time. Now, as we wrap up, I, I want, if, if that idea is foreign to you, if that is new to you, in fact, like the idea of the church being a movement, it's like, that it's a church? <laughs> like, church? Uh, if, 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 because if that's you, I have an insight. I think I have an insight for you. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by church, and if you've ever thought to yourself, or if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, if the church is such an incredible opportunity, why does it feel like such an obligation sometimes? Like, like, like all of us, like you, you, you wake up like, ah. And see, I have a theory. It might be because the churches that we've attended in the past were not moving. And, and see, you bear with me. Here, here's, here's, I think. When a church ceases to be part of a movement, when a church stops moving, opportunities quickly become obligations. You know what I mean? Like, like things that are, like the opportunities that we have to do God's work, to connect with Him. When it's not part of a movement, it just simply becomes part of an obligation. And if you've ever felt that way, can I just say on behalf of the church, as a, a church leader, and, and, and honestly, it's good people like myself. The, the, can I just apologize? If that's been your your story. I'm sorry because we've steered you wrong. Over time, something happened. It became more about building an institution or a set of rules, or like I should do this, right? I should do that. And I got more and more detached from the movement that the church was designed from the very first day to be. Because God is up to something in the world, and we get to be a part. And the church is his key instrument for that activity. And, and here's, can I just ask you, would you give the church another chance? Like, would you, give, would you give us a chance? Because this is a deep part of our DNA. We will be a church. We are committed to being a church that is on the move. So come with us. And, and now, all of us, come with us in 2018. There are so many fun things that we're thinking about, praying about in 2018. Would you come with us? Would you attend? Would you volunteer? Would you invite your friends? Would you give your finance? Would you continue to give financially? Some of you have given sacrificially. We thank you for that. Keep it up. It's worth it. Would you, would you go with us in 2018? Because here's the thing. This is what's so cool about what we need to partner with in church. Is the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
means that the best is yet to come. For you, for me, God is on the move. And we get to be a part of that movement. The best is yet to come in general, and the best is yet to come in 2018, and the best is yet to come in this series. Please join us in the next couple weeks. Hey, join us next week. I actually get to say that for once. Like, I mean, you know, I was just to say, like, join us next week. And by next week, I mean the CLC interpretation of next week. It's two weeks from now. That's done. Let's go. Let's do this. But let's, we are on the move. Come with us. It's going to be good. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord. You are a God who's on the move. And for those of us that this is a new or a newer idea, would you, would you drive that home as we sing songs to you? Would you would, I, I pray that, that our hearts would be excited by the fact that, yeah, we, yes, we believe in you. But more than that, we get to be with you as you move in this world. Would you try that deep into our hearts? Would you be with our children right now, Lord, who are learning about you, are learning a similar message right now? Would you drive that into our children's hearts? Would you give them appreciation not only for you, but for what you're doing through the local church? God, you are so good. Thank you that you cured cancer. Thank you that you came after us, even though we, we drew away from you. And thank you, Lord, that you will win and we're on the winning side. I pray that, that so many people would hear that message because of our efforts this year in this place. Amen.